All right, so today my guest is Boosted Boy Wyatt. Um, he's kind of the master of repair on this channel. <laughs> ever a, since there's you, a lot of that. <laughs> yes, ever since you came on, it kind of has leveled everything up and things seem to run more, but also break more because now they run more, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, it's a... Uh... I don't know what the word is. I'm not a great speaker, just to put that out there. But uh, it's okay. That's the fun of a podcast, right? None it's of us one are. of the things where, like, the more you do, the more consequence it is. So, you know, they do run more, and we do go to more events and push them harder. But yeah, it's it's great job security because they always come back with some new issue. Exactly. Do you worry that once you guys have a car the job security goes out the window uh buddy i look at your program and i think we're gonna still have job security yeah i break stuff occasionally but they're usually my doing right unfortunately like i was you know i got the car back from induction from the wiring and everything and it was great and then i started doing stuff and it was started downhill from there started shooting myself in the foot right yeah um i'm actually really excited for that project so i don't know has kyle said in videos that we're doing that has he given away the the power? I don't think he's given away the power. Okay, plant so yet. we won't we won't add that. Well, we could add it, but no, uh, we won't. Add you guys that. heard it here first. <laughs> no, we'll bleep it out. So there's a new power plant for the Civic. Yes, and it was just bleeped out. Yeah, so and you it'll guys be an interesting guess. one. He already um, said it wasn't a K series, so they know that. Yeah, and he said it wasn't in line six, so that kind of rules it down to a very <laughs> he small. Said all that. So. I don't think it's really a surprise what it is. So I'll talk to him. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk just, to him before this comes out. Just clarify it, and uh, we're good to go. We can yeah. we can talk about it like it's not a secret, because a lot of people actually guessed it in the comments. So, Well, reasonably, because you, know, you wanted to have something that was an import motor so you could race a World Cup. You don't want to do the same thing as me, where you can't race there because it's an import domestic right. crossover. Right. So it kind of narrows it down really small. Yeah. He's it's smart enough like, to not do an RB. Right. <laughs> or like whatever the BMW engines are that are I6s. He's, he, yeah, you guys are smart enough to not do that. I mean, questionable, but <laughs> We've all made some bad decisions. <laughs> we are not the, uh, we're not the smartest people out there, but we seem to, we seem to get by. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we all kind of, we're in the car world. <laughs> right. Racing. We're yeah. Definitely I mean, not the smartest yeah, people. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's not a great idea to get into. No, we, you have a diesel truck. Yeah. Yeah. Talking racing. about being a genius, let me tell you, cut up a perfectly great running truck, decided to dump thousands of dollars into it, and, uh. All the options in the world. And that's what I chose. For a race vehicle, yeah. yeah. It's it's awesome, though, in its own way. It is. That's what's cool about it's, it. It's unique, and that's kind of what I set out to build. But uh, Because if you had an LS Fox body, nobody would blink an eye, and you wouldn't go to PRI with it. But it would be fast. It'd probably have already been fast, yes. Yes. <laughs> it would have but, already already done backflips. It know? wouldn't have been as cool. <laughs> no, not nearly. So you've been a Florida man now for what? Two, two years. A little over two years. It was November first. Oh yes, I do. You do? Yeah. So oh. I get this question a lot actually. Um the the love and hate with Florida. I hate the summertime here. Dude, I am too fat. It is way too hot and humid here. Not a great mix. Yeah. Um the winter time here though, like today, it's what, December seventh, eighth, ninth, something like that. And uh we could go jet skiing today, which is awesome. I do love the winters here. Um but I yeah. Know. My windows were open in my house for the first time ever. Right. It was great. Nuts, man. The AC didn't kick on. Yeah. I know. I texted my mother like two days ago, and they had like a blizzard coming through. So I'm thankful for the winters here, but yeah. man, I miss the mountains. I'm a I'm an outdoors kind of guy, and I, I used to ride dirt bikes a ton and you know go up to the mountains like every other weekend on dirt bikes, but you guys don't have that here. It's very flat. Yeah. We don't have that, and we don't have, like, driving roads either. Yeah. Nothing curvy, windy, elevation changey. Traffic everywhere. Yeah. You know, you got to go up to Georgia to do that. I know a lot of people go up to the mm-hmm. Tail of Dragon Deal or whatever it's called. Yeah. I, I don't trust my cars to make it there and back. <laughs> right. Trailer <laughs> them there. You've got the reliable Chevy out That's there. what you have to do. You have to trip. <laughs> I'd have to, and I'm sure you guys would also trail. Yes. Yes. But... We all make bad decisions, like we right. said. <laughs> we're getting better, though. I mean, the fleet is coming together. You guys can see it behind us. I mean, it's we're knock on wood because last time we said this, everything broke. But knock on wood, everything runs right now. So they're kind of improving, and mm-hmm. I trust to drive them places. I mean, we've been driving the NSX all over the place, and yeah, I took a ride in that thing, and I was terrified. We were on I four, which is yeah. 
a very scary place to hit it right. in a 900 horsepower car. <laughs> yeah. That thing, yeah, it's turned up ways, too. Like, the thing gets wild. It's um, crazy. But we're getting there. Like, things are somewhat reliable. And uh, I, I still probably wouldn't drive it to Georgia. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, an hour or two drive, like nothing. It's hard to keep the reliability and the power. That's, like, the impossible right. task. It's like the Achilles heel of everything. I mean, you look at what Tom Bailey's doing. Like, it's insane the amount of effort mm-hmm. he has to put into that car. Well, but even he broke day one of sick week. Right. And it's just, it's like that give and take of, like, it's it's been the thing since dawn of time with horsepower and car guys, like, making them reliable versus making them fast. Mm-hmm. It's always that trade-off of, of which do you want. You're not going to get both unless you're spending insane amounts of money. And even then, it's still, look at Tom Bailey's case. There is no open checkbook that will make your car constantly right always run perfect yep it's just just not possible but that also leads me into what i wanted to talk to you about how when you're building your truck you're you're striving for like perfection and how do you how do you pass like oh this is good enough for the perfection because (laughs) i don't with youtube it's really tough (laughs) yeah you can't spend a month on your wiring harness right like with these cars behind us if you did that people would hate you right they would be like okay like yeah so i think that was like we'll probably talk more about the history of like how this all came to be eventually but that was my biggest like shell shock when i got here is like you you can't be the perfectionist i'm very ocd i love everything to just be perfect done once and just forget it and go on but in the youtube industry like you're saying you have to you have to move past that it has to be just good enough to work because you have to get the content out and mm-hmm. you can't spend that amount of time working on something. So I'm still trying to find that fine line of like how good is good enough so we can get it going, but also just doing it once. So like we fought that on pretty much all the cars here. Like when I first got here, all the wiring was kind of messy and like everything was kind of hacked, kind of put together. I'm not saying it is bad. It worked great. It was by like necessity though right and it's that drive because you have to get the content out it's this just this revolving door of like how quick can you get the content out there because that's what pays your bills and if you don't pay your bills you can't do the builds to begin with Mm -hmm. so finding that fine line is very difficult um especially one car that's perfect or five cars that are good enough to to make videos with exactly and broken cars are good content also right and that's like that's something that me and Kyle talk about all the time. It's like, yeah, even if it breaks, like those videos almost do better than when they work great. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to, like I said, for me, it's just hard to kind of get past that. I know Kyle has kind of built around that and it's worked really well of it works. And if it blows up, it's still content at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, kind of difficult for me to get past that. And I still don't think I have that fine line of, you know, we'll just get it done and it's good to go. Yeah. Like, I always, now when I try to do stuff, I try to, like, plan it for the future. So if I'm doing a wiring, even if it's quick, I'll, you know, I'll throw an extra couple plugs in the harness just in case I want to add to it later. Or I just kind of think about stuff that'll be in that project later on and add it while we're doing it quickly. And then it makes it easier to expand upon it uh, in the future. But, yeah, I still don't think uh, I'll ever, I'll ever, yeah, I'll ever accept that, like, okay, this is good enough and, like, just let it ride. Well, because I see it on your truck where it's, like, you've been able to, because it has its dedicated spot, it has you dedicating your hours to it, it can kind of be a slow project kind of in the back. Right. Which is awesome to have and, like, I kind of wish that I had that on mine where... You know, I didn't have to kind of rush as much. Right. Like a slow-term project, but it's so tough to have that balance because, yeah. you know, you need the content flowing. and Right. It's Yeah, like you said, it's something you can't spend months to do. Right. Mm-hmm. It has to get done. And, uh, yeah, with the truck, like, yeah, it's been a three-year project. And the, the sad thing to admit is, like, even though I take time to do stuff the right way, quote-unquote, I still go back and redo it sometimes because I'm just like, I'm not happy with it. Well, you learn doing it. Right. So. And then you just want to redo it because, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So you definitely got to find that balance. And even somebody like me that's OCD about it, you have to you have to admit when it's okay enough to get it going. Yeah. At some point, you have to throw in the towel and be like, I'm not right. redoing this again. And especially, like, the wiring on your truck. Like, I don't think people realize how expensive good wiring and connectors are. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> like, good wires are expensive. They're not just, like, some junky cheap wires right yeah so like 
I don't want to get too technical, but yeah, that's all TXL wire in my truck. It's all Raychem loomed, um, you know, SCL, like potting compound, heat shrink. Like it's all really nice stuff. At the end of the day, I'm probably in that harness, like between tools, wire, supplies, and like my time, probably in that harness three grand, if not more. And it would have been a lot cheaper just to bring it to somebody and do it. But it's one of those things also is learning experience. And, uh, you know, it's something I really wanted to do and build a complete harness. And it, it turned out really good. Again, a couple yeah. of things I would love to redo. It's awesome in there. 2020. But, you know, it turned out pretty well. And uh, it was a good learning experience. So where did you learn all that? Uh, mostly all self-taught. Um, Just trial by fire. Yeah, trial by fire. You know, working on the fleet out here for the Boosted Boy stuff gives you a, a lot of opportunity to build on your knowledge and then also uh, HPA Academy online that uh, yeah HPA Academy high, high I was gonna ask Academy. you that's what I was wondering too like yeah I you know I buy a lot of their courses and they have a ton of great knowledge in there and um, you know it's always been my thing is I just I love learning new things so I just started with them and kind of applying the knowledge in small scale here and then that was pretty much the first like really big harness job I've done is on my truck. And, you know, it took me two and a half, three weeks to do it, but I got it done and it looks great and it works, but it was one of those things that I wanted to learn it. And that's kind of the, the goal with the whole truck was I want to do it all myself so that I can learn new skills. Even if I'm not great at them, kind of broaden your horizons of what you can do. Yeah. Where do you stop? Because I know personally, once I start looking at paint and body work, that's yeah. where I normally am like, huh, <laughs> I'm done with really it. don't like this side of the, the building. Right. So like, what's, what's that level of like, eh, I think I'll leave this to someone else. Um, for me right now, the only thing that somebody else has done on that truck is the transmission. And I had a buddy of mine, Joel, build it. He's up in Wisconsin, uh, another hobbyist guy. Mm-hmm. And it was just because I didn't feel like doing the research to do it right now. I just yeah. wanted to put it in and be done. Set it up to a cheese head, right? Right. What they call Yeah. Um, and for me, that was kind of it. And the paint and body stuff, like I, I still think I'm going to attempt it myself. I've painted a couple cars in the past, and they've turned out good. Uh, another one of those things, I'll do it myself. It'll take ten times as long, cost mm-hmm. two times as much. But I'll be able to say I did it. And... Maybe That's, you can hit up Trevor Motion Auto, get some yeah, get some pointers. Get some from pointers, him. Yeah. yeah. He's and done I've, a lot of. I've talked home. to him in the past. He's a good dude, and yeah, he's really good at painting body stuff. Um, if it were like patch panels or like patching and painting and like color sanding and stuff, that's above my pay grade. You know, I'm like out blending and right, not me at all. But to paint a whole truck and be good to go, like I'm confident in that. Um, yeah, again, thankfully those panels aren't too intricate. Yeah, no, they're nothing special. They're like some big sweeping panels. They're not like some like little right. areas that you got to get into. Yeah, and I kind of, I kind of, I, I don't again know the word for it, but you know, I kind of dove in heads first on my first car that I painted. Is I decided to paint it jet black, and black is the most difficult color to paint. Bodywork has to be perfect. What and car was that? That was my old Civic. Um, I had a '96 Civic Coupe painted it in my old shop in Colorado with my dad's help and uh it turned out really good but you could see every little imperfection and it made me realize like a good bodywork guy is worth every penny yeah because they can make it happen and you know I spent it, it was really a tough experience because after I got it painted on my last coat of clear I freaking orange peeled it and that's where you get like all the little speckles and mm-hmm. or, like little divots in the clear coat. Once it starts to look like a Corvette. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and man, I spent two weeks wet sanding that thing by hand to get it all out of there, polishing it, cutting so it, buffing it. You put more hours into this Civic than it was probably worth. Oh, 100%. Like yeah. 10 times. And then the freaking kicker to that is it looked great for a month and I left it outside one night and it got hailed on. Like destroyed hailed on. <laughs> Uh, Needless to say, the car got sold like four days later. That's the most car enthusiast like situation to happen. Honestly, man, it was like a total kick in the nads of just everything mm-hmm. that could go wrong did. But didn't, it looked great for a month. Didn't you guys have like a Civic up there that was yours that you had built and modified? That was like a like a junk one that you guys were like destroying. I feel um, like I vaguely remember one that was like a snow Civic. That's that's what's 
I kind of envy a little bit about Colorado, the snow fun right. in the winter. Yeah, so I don't recall like any of the civics. Kyle's had a lot that we just beat the heck that out of in the it. snow. And yeah, that is something I do miss. Is, man, we'd go down the highway and just out of nowhere, just pitch like the Waggle Van. It's tucked back over there. You guys know it, the blue one. And we just pitch that thing into a 360 just on the highway going down the road because there's nobody else out there. It's, you know, one in the morning. Mm-hmm. We're just having fun in the snow. And you could just beat them up because back then it, it was just fun. It was good content just to do. And it didn't cost us nothing. Yeah, I think you paid like cheap. $800 for that car back then. Like, you'd be lucky to find a roller for three grand nowadays. Especially all-wheel drive. Right. I know we had... You guys have ruined the all-wheel drive oh, yeah. Honda market. We didn't ruin it, but the all-wheel drive market <laughs> took off, man. They're it's wild. Insane. They're asking $3,000 for just a drive shaft, a rear axles, and a rear diff these days. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. Because, like, two years ago, I was like, man, I really want an all-wheel drive Civic. Now it's like, man. You can't even afford one. Might as well buy an R8. Honestly. <laughs> But uh, there was one Civic we had. It was the $800 Wago van. It was a four-wheel drive one. He bought it just for the all-wheel drive stuff. Mm-hmm. And we took it up to a trail called Bunt School Road. And it's like a big trail up in the mountains. And, man, we were bashing the thing off rocks and rock climbing it, doing burnouts on the side of boulders and stuff. It was Maybe that's the one that you'd saw because we were trashing maybe. on that thing. We were jumping the intersection with it. and Yeah, I feel like that's what I remember. Like one that was jumping and yep. really getting beat up like... Way back in like OG yeah. Booster Boys days when it was like Kyle in his house, like yeah, the old Loveland house, yep. And yeah. that's yeah, that's that was probably it. Man, I remember jumping that thing. We did so many crazy things in that car, and it just it took it. It like took the abuse. Going to Brent's original shop where you had to drive over the dyno, right? The one bay door to get in and out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the those were the good old the days. Bay door. Yep, those were the old days. <laughs> those man. were those were great videos that. That content is, like, memorialized in YouTube right. history at this point. Honestly. I love, like, getting the Snapchat memories of stuff that we used to do at that old shop. Like, I just got one the other day of when my car was on the dyno for, like, the first time. It was the old Integra DA, and it made, like, 300 horsepower. And I, I got the memory of it. it sounded like it exploded on the dyno. The rotor cap came loose in the distributor, and it was, like sparking at totally the wrong time and shooting huge flames out the exhaust and it was just it was always a party there man we i just think that's the car i'm thinking of i've heard about your da a yeah. bunch of times that thing was hood <laughs> yeah that's the car i'm thinking of because yep. I've, I've heard you guys reference your old da a yep. bunch of times and i'm like man that car sounds like it's got some history huh? dude it was a hoopty so i bought it and it was a giant lard and then decided to put a b-series in it make it 600 and something horsepower and uh, to tell you how bad it was, there wasn't a single panel on it that wasn't dented to heck, uh, didn't line up worth nothing, you know, scratched, absolute clapped. But it was a great car. It was fun. It kind of mm-hmm. got me into the Honda scene. Honda scene. Um, you know, I still think my favorite memory with that car is we were driving it one day. Uh, we were doing like 140 mile an hour poles down I-25 in Colorado. And then literally the following day, I was driving it to lunch, and the wheel fell off the front of it. And I parked this thing through a ditch in a fence. And it's just so crazy because the memories come up on my Snapchat. Yeah. And it's like that day it's the pole video, so the next day it's the thing yeah. in a fence. It's like, uh, oh, man, I really almost died this time. Right. <laughs> like, that could have been real bad. There's quite a few times in every car guy's life where, man, I... Really almost died that time. Right. And you just, you escape it, you live and you learn, and tell you what, I double check lug nuts nowadays. Mm-hmm. I think Kyle gets almost annoyed that I try and go around and torque them every time a wheel comes off, but... There's definitely two types of people in this world, ones that torque them and ones that use an impact. Ugga dugga them. Kyle's the ugga dugga guy. I go back with a wrench just to make sure. Just, you want to hear that tick? Yep. At least a couple of them. Right. You know, I it mean, doesn't have to be all of them. Right. At least two of the four were good. Yeah. <laughs> The Ugga Duggas do a pretty good job, though. I mean, we we use that Milwaukee. You know, you're you can go fan. overboard. You can break a stud right off. We rip them right off, man. And, but I've never had one come loose from the Milwaukee. That thing gets down. I always think, at least like with lug nuts, like I've seen some 240s go real fast on four studs and some Fox bodies that I'm like, you know, I got five of them. They're tight. I'm doing a little better. Yeah. I mean, you look at Beater Bomb. He's like four lug mafia, man. He gets yeah, down on a four lug. Uh, at least back in the old days, he I remember was, seeing videos yeah. of it. Like I'm I also sure remember seeing now him. he isn't, but yeah, he was. I remember seeing a wheel with a axle shaft go down the track too. So 
You know, yeah, I've <laughs> seen that happen thing. as well. <laughs> I've seen a couple of people launch the whole thing out. I feel like I've seen some diesels do that too. Yeah, diesels are notorious for breaking stuff like that. Driveline components are. Yeah, like they um, don't handle. What's that event called? Because you were at that event, and you got hit with a piston, right? The yeah, the UPC? ultimate call challenge. Yeah, UCC. UCC. Yep. <laughs> I still think I have the best video of that, man. We were real drunk up in the stands, and if you guys have seen the videos, my hands don't twitch a bit. And this piston lands one row in front of me. Yeah, what were you, 500 feet away from it? At least. It, you guys can go to Indianapolis Raceway or whatever the drag strip is there and look at the P in Indianapolis, and there's a dent through the sign. And that's from the piston that hit and then fell back into the bleachers. And uh, that was quite the experience. But, yeah, diesels just love to blow everything up. I love that, too, because it's like the challenge of, like, I'm going to blow it up, but how much power can I make doing it? Right. Be- it's like Before the, it lets go. It's like the ultimate paper racing ever. Yes, it is. <laughs> but it's great to watch, and the fans pack the stands for yeah. it. It is great entertainment for sure. Um, you know, the diesel's on the dyno. Like you said, it's literally just a contest of who can blow them up, honestly. Uh, we try not to, but it's inevitable. Yeah. Uh, every year you go there, there's at least one good explosion that'll that'll go viral from it. And that's your goal for your truck also, is to go there with it and yeah. not blow it not up, blow but it actually up, but go, go down there. the track. Yeah, so I probably won't ever compete in UCC. So UCC, you have to dyno it, drag race it, and sled pull it. And to be honest, I don't think my truck would be capable in the sled pull. It's, you know, tubular back half. I just don't think it's got the strength. Um, but yeah, they do rip like the chassis apart, basically. Right, but they do a couple of uh, racing events like throughout the day there also. And uh, that is the goal next year, to bring the truck out there run ODR, which is Outlaw Diesel Revenge. Uh, it's the event that, it's the ODSS event there. Uh, but run the truck there in the 590 class and uh, be able to enjoy the whole event. It's a it's a great thing if you guys ever are slightly interested in diesel stuff. It's like it's like the World Series of Diesel. Mm-hmm. So And there's a lot of like, I feel like the diesel world in the last year for drag racing has really taken off. Yeah, it's like, kind of lit the world on fire because we were just talking a minute ago uh, about Ryan Milliken's car, mm-hmm. that Nova, and it runs a tractor engine. It's a Cummins-based deal. It yep. runs X275, and he just set the new mile-per-hour record for that class. Yep, and they added weight to him this year. Yep, <laughs> they added a little bit of weight. He's still, I think he's still going to be competitive, but bring that mile an hour back down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because that car doesn't 60 foot like the other guys do, but the back split on it is insane. Like, and it back halves like a freaking Honda does. And it's like the most beautiful Nova yeah. ever. Yeah, it is. And this man is just out here with just the heaviest down. the heaviest Nova you can have, basically. For real. Yeah. And that car gets down really well. I've seen it a, quite a few times, and it's, it's awesome. Right. And then some <laughs> of the Dodges, it seems like the Dodges, um, there's that white one I'm trying to think of. I feel like is I've it seen a, that. like a pro mod or is it a truck? It's like a or? pro mod truck. Um, there's there's quite a few trucks. I guess. Yeah, just, you're probably thinking of Ziegler is the one that made three thousand something on the dyno. Yeah, the white Dodge pickup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was actually in the same booth as me at PRI, and it's just, it's insane what they can do with these. I mean, granted, there's other engines out there that make ten thousand horsepower. You look at top fuel, but for making three thousand horsepower, three thousand foot pounds of torque out of a diesel six cylinder, mm-hmm. like it's pretty impressive. Um, and going back to like how they're they're really putting a name for themselves out there in racing, you know, look at Derek Rose. He's coming down for the ice or the Christmas tree race, and that's a full size Dodge pickup that runs four forties in the eighth, like at a hundred and mm-hmm. like seventy mile an hour or something. So they're they're starting to come around. They're starting to get them figured out, and I think here in the next couple of years, the diesel scene's really gonna make a comeback because the last couple of years it's kind of been almost tried to have been phased out, I feel like. So one of the things that I've always been, like, so surprised about by the diesel stuff is, like, race gas. Is there, like, is the race diesel starting to come? Because, like, a few years ago, I felt like it was just, like, I talked to somebody, and they're like, yeah, it's just pump diesel. Right. And I'm like, that seems terrifying to me. Yeah. So there's a couple of companies that do race diesel stuff, um... You really, you got to run a lot of additive in it because it's very dry. Uh, if you guys have ever felt diesel, it's very slick. It's got a lot of lubricity to it, and it's slimy, and it doesn't evaporate. Um, this stuff, if you pour it out and you come back the next day, it'll be evaporated. So 
Hmm. There, there is definitely. Um, so it's probably got some alcohol base. Yeah, I don't know it, what the the whole deal is with it, um, and I don't know if there's really any advantage to it. Just a lot purer than pump consistent diesel is. is what I would think. Consistency. Like, I'd too. be so worried about consistency when you're making that kind of power. Right. And you get uh, methanol, and it's like you know that whole thing of methanol is the same. Right. It's Your identical tuna clock barrel change. to barrel. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the crazy thing too with diesels. I mean the the tune up. Like, even if you had inconsistent, I mean, they run off detonation anyways. So, I think for your average show that makes 1500 or less, I don't think it's a big deal to worry about going with, like, a drum of diesel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess if you're on that level of, you know, making 3,000 horsepower, they like it for the consistency. Yeah, it's just one more variable that you're dealing with. Right. Yeah, just eliminating any factor. Um, and in tuning, you're really not controlling all that much. Yeah, no, not really. You, uh, you're really just controlling the amount and the timing of the injection event. Um, you don't have spark plugs or anything. The injection of the diesel is what ignites the, uh, the well, does your power it forces or whatever. Ignite, yeah, yeah, it forces your ignition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty simple stuff. Like, I don't run wastegates on my truck because you kind of vary boost just on how much fuel you inject. You don't run a throttle body. You can take the intake off a of diesel and sit there and let it run, and it won't run away or do anything weird. It'll drive like normal. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Have you ever had to return a forgotten bag of adult play toys to a pair of sweet old grandparents? Or have you spent your summer cleaning up protein spills at an amusement park? How about going to work every day in a flea-infested casino? Hopefully you haven't, but our guests have. Welcome to the Insiders Podcast. Each episode, we bring you an explicit account from a hotel and hospitality industry insider. To listen to these stories and more, go to theinsiders.com to subscribe. That's the insiders, I-N-N-S-I-D-E-R-S.com. I was actually going to say, do you have any worries about runaway on your truck? Um, I mean... <laughs> is there anything you can do to counteract that? Yeah, so the only thing... So runaway on a diesel is when it... Basically picks up like a oil or a transmission fluid kind of, and it keeps running on it. Exactly. So it'll run on pretty much anything that's combustible as long as it's hot enough and fed into the engine. So most of your runaway diesel stuff, at least on common rails, is from turbo explosions, and then it just feeds engine oil into the intake, and it will continue to run wide open on its own engine oil until it starves itself and shuts down. Um on the older stuff, like mechanical injection stuff, you can worry about hanging the rail, um, and that will cause a runaway. But with the common rail stuff, you don't really have that issue. It's mostly if you're injecting some kind of consumable into it. I'm sure everybody's seen the video of Dirty Hooker Diesel's truck on the dyno where it blew up the turbo and then sat there and ran away for uh, like five, six minutes. Yeah. <laughs> And That's what so happened, sad. Yeah, I mean, just standing by, like waiting for it to just explode. Yeah, couldn't do anything about it. Um, I see the tow rigs; they have like a way to cut the air. Yeah, so you're supposed to have a guillotine, but on yeah. like dirty hooker diesels uh, event, that wouldn't have solved it anyways. They have a guillotine, or I think they had a guillotine on their truck. But when the turbo exploded, it actually hit the intake manifold, put a big hole in it, and severed a high pressure fuel line, and it was just feeding fuel getting sucked right into the intake so even if you had cut the air off to it there was no stopping it it had its own air it had its own fuel it was just it was was doing what it wanted at that point right there was no stopping that unless you could smother the flame long enough to to get it to idle down you know and come to a stop kind of a cool cool thing in a way that they can do that right because like very cool but also very scary yeah it's a very cool like way that diesels have that because like even like the old military stuff where it's like you put whatever Whatever oil or fluid you got, you put in there and you can drive it to the next gas station. Right. Running on kerosene. I mean, I think some of the old uh, military stuff actually did that. and It's just crazy. They'll pretty much, like I said, run on anything combustible, Mm -hmm. you know, as long as the heat and pressure is there. That's awesome. So where did you, 
where did you kind of begin in your mechanical world? I know you had a shop for a while. Yeah. Did you start, you started working for somebody, didn't you meet Kyle at like a tire shop? Yeah, so in high school, I worked at Discount Tire um, my junior and senior year. That's where I met Kyle. We went to two different schools. Um, but yeah, we both worked the same store. Um, and then after high school, I went to work. Who's faster at doing a tire change? That's a great question. We actually raced a couple months back, and Kyle kicked my butt. Um, oh, dang. Back in the day, we were pretty much even. We were actually, like, the two fastest techs, I want to say, in our store, because, you know, if you're a discount tire person, you'll get the reference, but we could do a four new in about seven minutes to, between the two of us. Like, we would get after it. Does that benefit you at all, or does no. it just is it's, it just the rallyness for the employees? Just yeah. Just the fun of the competition? Not even that. It's just like a... You know, it's just uh, kind of bragging, bragging rights is yeah. all it was. Probably why my back hurts so bad these days. So that makes sense. Yeah. So um, you started at the discount tire, then you got, then you guys started to uh, know each other, I guess. Yep. So we knew each other there. Um, I left discount tire after high school, went to work for a diesel shop in Alt, Colorado. Um, you know, worked there for I think a year. Uh, ended up kind of parting ways with that and that's when I decided to start my own shop I was a year out of high school or something like that uh did that for about five years so what year did you start then probably about 2014 2016 2016 I'm a youngin I graduated in 15 oh dang yeah yeah so I think it was like 16 or 17 uh started my own shop did that for about five years four or five somewhere in there I'm horrible at math um but did that for a long time uh it was it was great. Learned a lot of stuff. Uh, was pretty successful, but uh, might come to a shock to you guys that I'm not much of a people person. And uh, dealing with customers all day kind of got the best of me. Uh, I was looking for a change, and Kyle's YouTube had really taken off by then. And he was talking about moving to Florida, and I was kind of looking for a change at that point in my life. And flew down here, talked to him. It was like a month after he bought this place, and talked to him about getting a job and. Uh, yeah, a couple months later, I packed everything I owned into a trailer and drove on down and started working here. That was probably perfect timing to get out of Colorado and out of the kind of the car modified scene because you were probably doing some modified diesel stuff. I don't, I don't know how much you want to get into. I'm not going to admit nothing. Uh, Allegedly, some cats may have fallen off, or cats might have fallen off, or something. Allegedly. Um, but yeah, it was a good time to get out of the scene because if you guys follow the diesel world, the EPA really started coming down hard on people about three years ago. And, uh, I actually had a couple of friends, local shops to me that had gotten raided and stuff by the EPA. And, you know, I was still smaller. Um, so I don't think I was really on their radar. Uh, but it was probably a good time to just get out of it. Cause if you look at the diesel industry now, there's no such thing as deletes. I mean, there is in a very dark corner of the interweb. My truck still has DEF on it. Right. The um, L5P world, it's like, yeah. why even bother? So the L5P world was kind of set on fire because it used to be it used to be about $6,000 when it first came to market to delete one of those trucks. And uh, so that was kind of like the, the beginning of the end. Is It started yeah. getting very expensive to do it. The EPA cracking down on everybody and... You know, you can't even go on eBay these days and buy an exhaust for them. I know eBay just came out with a statement, I think two months ago, that any emissions defeat device was going to be banned from being sold on eBay. So they're not playing around. Like, and that's a vague term as well. Yeah, very vague. Emission defeat is, yeah. like, people consider catch cans yeah. emission defeat. Right. Any kind of calibration difference in the ECU that's considered illegal, um, it's getting very scary out there. You know, yeah. it's a... Uh, very controversial topic and I know the EPA leaves it very vague so that they can make it work to their terms that's government Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah it's it was a good time to get out of it all so yeah I don't blame you I mean and especially dealing with customers is tough and customers that expect you somebody roll up with their L5P and you tell them either no or it's ten thousand dollars right they're not a happy camper no they're kind of shocked at the price and you got to break it down to them, like literally just to unlock the ECU to be able to tune it was four thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Like that was where the chunk of the money was going. It's just to unlock it, and then tuning was fifteen hundred. You're also including your own risk. Yeah. Your, oh yeah. Your and own you, risk factor. Is you never high. would make enough money to cover what the lawyer fees had cost you. Yeah. Like 
That's why nobody does it anymore. Any big, reputable company has completely severed ways from doing it. And I think it was very planned to come after the diesel world first. Yeah, smaller market, easier to hit. Yeah, because us car guys kind of kind of look the other way, unfortunately, on it. Right. A lot. I don't think they take it as serious as they should be. We kind of were like, ah, oh, like at least they're getting them. Right. And like a lot of the car guys were kind of just like looked the other way, like. Hopefully they don't notice us. Right. Like I'm a hide over here, but then it kind of flooded over, and hopefully the race stuff can continue with the with the diesels because that's that's where the cool stuff happens. Personally, I don't need a street car. If my car can go on the track, I'm happy enough. Right. As long as they can sell the parts, and they yeah. can like that's that's what I want. Like as I'm I'm perfectly happy. I don't need to go rip on the street. Doesn't right. Doesn't help me at all. But let I, them sell the parts. Right. And I think that's something that I really matured and realized. So when I was doing my stuff, I was a younger guy, and I was all about having a smoky 700-horsepower street truck, you know, and just going out there and being stupid and young. Um, but as I've matured, I've realized, like you, I, I don't need a fast street car. I drive my bone stock, barely running CRV on the street. I'm content. I have my bone stock LML out front that I will tow the race truck to the track with, and I'm perfectly content with that. Uh, especially with the way everything's going these days, you know, all these takeovers and stuff, and it's just a bad, mm-hmm. a bad image for the whole car community. So, I'll, I like you said, I'm perfectly content with just going to the track and being overrun there. And I wish they would put in language that that will be exempt. Like, give us an avenue to be able to do that completely legally, and and go after the people that aren't doing that, but leave actual racing and motorsport alone. Because even these drag and drives, like. They don't realize we're driving as slow and as cautious as we can on the street because right. most of these guys are on pump 93 and right. can't make more than 500 horsepower without blowing up their car. Right. Those guys are the most cautious street drivers there is. Right. And I think that's like also another side of it is, you know, they're not out there racing. They're not out. And I'm sure the EPA doesn't care about, oh, you're driving safe. Their, their concern is the emissions. But if you're on a pump gas deal, mm-hmm. these guys are leaning them out way far to get as good a fuel mileage as they can get you know it's not like we're out there causing a ruckus and it's such a small drop in the bucket of what climate actually is being affected by yeah so i I wish there was an avenue to that they would just come out and say you know this is legal this is what's not if you guys are being safe and responsible or whatever go do it well if you think about like a car like the mr2 how many hours this year do you think that car was at wide open throttle so small like Pro- yeah probably minuscule, less than an hour yeah such a minuscule amount of time like my pickup truck was at wide open throttle more right oh my crv especially <laughs> like that thing's wide open throttle even get on the highway yeah so it's I, funny when you think about the time at wide open throttle and the faster a car gets the less time that car will see at wide open throttle right. i mean you think with the mr2 we're doing eight seconds at a time I mean, mm-hmm. you got to add a lot of that up to, to even come close to what, like I said, the CRV does mm-hmm. on a normal day. So let's walk away from the EPA stuff because that could be this how you get flagged. Yeah, <laughs> but I want to. Um, I'm curious, like with you and between like you and Kyle's level of knowledge in the car world, when something's wrong and you guys just can't figure it out, how hard is it to find out who to even talk to? Because that's one of the tough things is the more you learn, the more you realize, like, there's not, there's not somebody else. A lot of people out there. Yeah. Um, cause that gets tough. Like, yeah. Like I'm not going to claim to be the smartest guy out there. Of course. No, I'm not trying to like put that in you, but like, it's, it's hard to like, like who knows more like, than or, yeah, like, or what that problem is. Yeah. I, I get where you're going with it. Um, like, with your truck, for instance, like, in the wiring, it's like, if you're going to ask somebody, it's like... Right. So, who I talked... So, yeah, that's a good example. Um, Keeping so, with the tuning stuff, I know you had somebody help you with that. Oh, yeah, that's that's rocket science. Okay, that's something I don't know anything about with the Bosch. It's, well, with the stock tune, I guess it has in it, right? Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, like, the truck's a good example when it comes to wiring, right? I, I go to my buddy Jeff at Exergy, and he's pretty dang knowledgeable with that stuff uh that's you know it's his job to know the wiring mm-hmm. in and out um but even when he doesn't have a question pretty much the last guy he can go to is andy from bosch 
and you know he's like a phone right call away, but it's it, like yeah. right at the top. And yeah, you're so I guess if to, you imagine like a pyramid where it gets smaller and smaller, like the people you can go to. Yeah, once you climb the and it, pyramid yeah. of knowledge, it goes down to a handful of people mm-hmm. at the very top. And you know, like I said, we're not the smartest people out there. We we do know quite a bit of knowledge, and it's like it is hard to find those people to talk to. You know, when it's Something like the fuel tech stuff, I have to call like fuel tech directly and talk to Garrett and their tech support. And you know, if he can't help me, then it's kind of like, all right, we'll play with it until you get it figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, so a good example would probably be like once you start messing with suspension on your truck. Yeah, that I like. Yeah, I don't know who to talk because it's about obviously that. all new to you, right? And it's all different. It's all new to everyone because right. it's not like you just like bought. A truck that had like oh it's been 120 160 foots already right it's not like i bought a chassis from 10 soldiers and it's set up ready to go exactly like where do you go with that because you can ask you can ask a bunch of people that race cars but like they don't race an all-wheel drive diesel at 4200 pounds that has a pretty high center of gravity right so that comes down to just knowing people in the industry and even if they're not even if they're not like shops or like tech guys like I know I talked a lot with a buddy of mine named Buddy, and his truck's pretty similar to mine, and he's given me a lot of good pointers because he's been in that game. He made his truck work pretty well, and um, it really just comes down to honestly talking to your peers that have done it before. You know, a lot of people are are shy to share that information, but I think to really further motorsports, people have to open up more about that. Um, In the diesel world especially, like, it's all lock and key. Nobody shares information, but... You got a. It's a small community. It and it's a small of community of people fighting to not share their information. Right, um, and I don't think it hinders anybody to share that bit of information. Um, I think we're all just trying to have fun and go race. I get it when there's a hundred grand on the line, maybe, but mm-hmm. um, trying to find the people to, to get that knowledge from, you just really got to find people that are willing to help you out. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are great about that and want to see others succeed. Um, but yeah, it really just comes down to finding people that have had that problem or are familiar with the the same stuff that you are when you're working on it um but yeah yeah, that makes sense kind of hard to find those people because i've i've gotten information from people before like they'll come up and tell me something and i'll walk away i'm like that doesn't make sense like i'm not doing that right (laughs) i think we're on different i think we're talking about different things here sometimes like not saying i know what i'm doing because I definitely don't, and I'm very cautious about who I listen to. Right. There's a lot of people that they can tell me, like, comments are a great one. People get mad at me. They're like, you didn't listen to the comments. I'm like, hell yeah, I didn't. What are your qualifications (laughs) besides you commented? No kidding. I (laughs) want to see your qualifications before I listen to you. Right. If you're not going faster than me, you probably, or at least working on a team that's going faster than me, you're probably just as qualified as me right and i think that's a good thing too is distinguishing who to listen to and who not to um and that kind of goes back to just look at who's done it yeah if they're willing willing to share that information with you take it and run because if they're sharing it with you they've and you can see that it's working for them it's it's probably reputable information Mm -hmm. i know like an example on my truck is all the comments oh your balancer's loose it's falling off it's like, no, if you knew anything about Duramaxes, it's a counterweight on the balancer yeah. that makes it look like I saw place. that when we were talking. I was like, wow, this is a fancy piece. Yeah. So, like like you said, you got to take everything kind of with a grain of salt, but also decipher who's worth listening mm-hmm. to. Or not even so much worth, but just is it good knowledge or not? Well, the car community also gets this, I like to call it the flavor of the month, where like <laughs> one part works. Like, oh, this converter worked for this right. guy. And suddenly everybody's like, this Bandwagons. is the only thing you use. Right. This one part works, and that's the... If you use anything else, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And you got to be careful with that stuff, too. Cause... I think social media plays in that, too, a lot. Like, you look at, you know, one advertiser, and they're just like, oh, this is the cream of the crop. Everybody jumps on mm-hmm. it. And then two months later, you come back and see everybody's like, oh, yeah, that didn't work. Like, we're, we've changed up. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, or it's they, an ever-changing deal. They told you what works as they're switching to something different. Right. Just so you're playing catch up the whole time. Right. And that's the other thing, like you said, Beater Bomb. He showed his engine combo the other day, and I'm like, that probably means it that's probably not going to be his engine combo after this winter. Right. <laughs> it's not going to be that anymore. Yeah. And you always kind of have to be an inch ahead of people, and that's that's the tough game to play. Yeah, definitely. Um, what was I going to say? So you, you had the diesel shop. 
you hated customers because customers are terrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the uh, five in the afternoon calls on Sunday got old. Yeah. Did you do any like big builds there that were like for you know like either for somebody that was racing their truck or like any support for stuff like that because that's a that's a whole avenue to go down where you have the guy that has a farm truck and then you have the guy that has a work like a race truck like a almost. race truck deal okay. yeah so i didn't do a whole lot of race truck stuff there um we i mostly did your average joe street truck kind of weekend warrior stuff um did a ton of transmissions and stuff engine builds uh, but nothing like super crazy. It was mostly all like around thousand horsepower or less stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, we Which had... is pretty crazy for a gas-powered guy. Like when you see right. a thousand horsepower, right? That sounds like a lot, but for a diesel world, guy, that's kind of you're a nobody numbers. these days almost. If you're not at a thousand horsepower, so yeah, what does my L5P make? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean it probably makes four eighty, maybe five hundred or something. Like, I think like eight hundred torque. <laughs> yeah, like they're up there, and yeah, out of factory they make crazy power. Um, but yeah, it was mostly just your your average guy work truck that they just want to make it a lot peppier, or mm -hmm. the weekend warrior guys that just wanted to go have fun with them and beat up on some smaller cars and. Are you a car enthusiast looking for an exciting new podcast to listen to? Check out the Test Drive podcast hosted by Lebo Dead. This podcast is packed with discussions about some of the most iconic vehicles in automotive history and inside knowledge from behind the scenes. From the Mustang to the Camaro, we cover it all. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. Listen to Test Drive on your favorite podcast app today. Um, so why didn't you do a six-cylinder in your truck? Because I'm... Because I'm a genius. <laughs> I like... I, I've always liked the Cummins. Right. I, I don't like Dodges. <laughs> yeah. But I like what they put in the, Right. The best part of... I like a, what they The bought. best part of a Dodge is the Cummins motor. Yeah, the stuff that they outsource is great. Right. The transmissions, everything the else, the, the body, <laughs> not great, but like... Yeah. Um, it seems like the move is to use a Cummins. It is. I'm not going to argue that, and... The uh, the only reason I went with a Duramax is just because it was what I was familiar with. I built my whole business on Duramaxes. I kind of know them like the back of my hand, so it was just a logical choice for me. Um, the, the I always tell everybody when I blow my Duramax up, it's getting a Cummins. They just they make so much more power a lot easier than the Duramax does, um, and I think part of that's actually because nobody really pushes the Duramax platform. I can count on one hand the amount of fast Duramax powered things mm -hmm. where. Your fast Cummins guys, you're, you know, a, a, a dime a dozen for them. So yeah. I think it's just because nobody's pushing the platform. Uh, I think there's a lot to be had still with the Duramax platform. Um, but it's also, I think, that the, the Cummins base is just a lot better architecture for being able to make power. Well, an inline six cylinder is really great for it. Yeah. They, they make packaging of everything really well. Right, they're super easy to work on. That's that's what I've always kind of liked. I mean, I like inline sixes also, and I even was surprised the first time I saw the way that the cam setup is on the Cummins. Yeah, I always thought about you know, the inline have dual overhead cams, and then I see this thing. I'm like, right. what the hell? Push is rod motor in a six cylinder. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. You're holding, you're putting sticks in there to hold up all. The... <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, yeah. That they, stuff's uh, pretty cool. I, I I love the Cummins stuff. Right. Yeah, and they work. The uh, I think the the biggest downfall of the Cummins is just the stock block, you know. And but you can get a billet block for them pretty reasonably these days. Mm -hmm. um, and then once you go that route, it's pretty much indestructible. You, yeah, know, you take the water powder. out of it. Yeah, you uh, solid block it and just let them eat. I know Chris Patterson did race week, Rocky Mountain race week with his, I believe, and it's a Cummins based truck and. He ran no water in the block. It's a filled block and just relied on the oil squirters to cool the pistons and uh, did the whole drag and drive with it. Mm -hmm. Granted, it had a lot of transmission issues and stuff, but it was cool to see it do it with what no water. What transmission was he running? I believe it was a 48, the mm -hmm. Dodge transmission 48. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Then. Yeah, and it's a heavy truck. It's a big dually. It makes 3,000 mm -hmm. horsepower, but it's... I think it weighs like six thousand something pounds. So yeah, because you could put like a four uh, turbo four hundred in there with a lockup and 
Yeah. Drive it anywhere. Very but expensive though. You spent thirty-five thousand dollars on right. four hundred with a lockup. Exactly. I think when I called Rossler to uh, quote one out for my truck because I wanted to go that route. It was this is two years ago and it was twenty-four, twenty-five thousand. And the lockup is playing with fire. Yeah. You put that thing on wrong. Right. You're kicking the crank out of it. Yeah. And the uh, the firepunk guys when they were racing their S10 fought that issue all the time. Like a, an eighth of a second of changing the lockup would be mm -hmm. determining kicking the tire off it or the truck going A to B perfectly. So yeah. I didn't have as much as I would love to go that route. Didn't have the money nor the time to want to sit there and dial it in. I wanted something that will do good enough, still be reliable not a ton of money if it breaks yeah. and not be super finicky because you got a 4l80 yep with, uh, is that an all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive transfer case it's a four-wheel drive so okay. it's divorceable i can put it in two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive because there is like a all-wheel drive similar version that some trucks yeah had. um they have like the auto four-wheel drive ones um i don't know as far as like factory cases if any of them were just like true all-wheel drive all the time um, I know a lot of people do like billet aftermarket cases that are a lot lighter and thinner, but they're dedicated four wheel drive. Mm -hmm. um, but I, like I said, I still wanted mine to be streetable and uh, just more fun to drive. The little bit of experience I had with that stuff is Jeremy has one on his S10 right. on the T56, and they've taken it apart a couple times, and those chains in there are a little crazy yeah. to see. Yeah, so. It's like a CVT looking setup. It's right. like, oh man, that's a. And I think that's like the auto four or like all-wheel drive case. Um, I've actually never played with one. I've always just been old school chain drive, mm -hmm. you know. Click simplicity. it in, turn yeah. it on. Yeah, click it in, push a button or yep. move a lever and you're good to go. So I guess um, I wanted to talk about your auto, your water sports that you guys have really <laughs> delved deep into. <laughs> you that's guys been an really became Florida men with water everything yeah so we first moved down here first bucket list item was buy a jet ski get mm -hmm. on the water um it's kind of gotten out of hand from there when you got the jet boat going now that thing rips uh we're building the airboat so we're kind of diving right into the florida yeah. lifestyle here those jet boat builds are intense yep that yep. is a deep project to get into because there was a point where i almost bought one and i was like I don't think I have. I don't think I have it in me to take on this project right, right. now. Like I know Kyle still talks about helping Cletus and James weld theirs up. He's he was only there for like ten hours, and he's like, I am never doing that so again. Wakes up in a hot sweat thinking about it. Right, thinking Freaking about the sunburn and the reflections. His scorched eyes. Mm -hmm. Is not about it. Yeah, yours. You guys have that that thing working really well. Yeah, we finally got it turned up. Um, put it on E85 and. Uh, it's been doing great. Scary fuel to have on the water. Right. That's what I was thinking, you know, a water that loves to absorb moisture. Most people run non-ethanol fuel on right. water-going vehicles. Yep. Um, it, it was literally just to turn it up. I told Kyle that, too. I was like, we need to make sure we, we do our maintenance on this because this is going to get out of hand quick. Any drop of water in E85 immediately starts to separate. Yep. And it gets bad. Yeah. Real it's quick. not a good time. No. So, yeah, we, uh, we got a ripping. We uh, took out Cletus and his boat, which was really cool. And that was when it ran 54 miles an hour. Now it runs 64. Um, it's funny just... that that's like the dyno. Right. Mile an hour. Yeah, that's all it that's is. That's how you can tell how fast or powerful. That's how you can tell how powerful it is. Right. Just mile an hour. Yeah. And that was what's crazy. You know, we texted. It's got a Scott water jet, jet pump on it. We texted them. They're like, yeah, it probably makes 400 at that mile an hour. And then you look at fuel consumption, and it was like 380. And it was like right in that realm. And Yeah, I guess that's awesome about the fuel tech is they have that yeah. ability of kind it's of telling you. It's all calculated, and it works, man. It's very close. I think when we did it on the van, it made like 1,046 horsepower, and it used like 1,040 pound per hour of fuel. So, so do you guys plan on taking it up to like Colorado anywhere on some of those rivers? Uh, we've talked about it. I know uh, Garrett was also trying to get us to go to Idaho with him. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that we should do that because <laughs> I've seen what happened to his boats up there. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure what Kyle's plans are for it. I know we're just uh, enjoying it while it's running good. You know, boost the boys' way. It'll it'll break eventually, and mm -hmm. we'll have to do something with it. But oh, so let's talk about sick week with the truck. Oh Lord. <laughs> okay. Now, if it even makes it. <laughs> well, lucky enough, it's in Orlando. I guess. 
you guys already kind of dealt with that because race week was in your backyard to begin right. with. And you know how grueling it can be. Yeah. You can have a really easy experience on sick week or you can have a really brutal a nightmare. one. <laughs> like, I, yeah, last year was like the total, like the total scene of that is our car. For once, we had zero issues, and then I look at Jamie and Shane, and they fought an uphill battle the entire week, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot. It's such a roll of the dice on that type of event, but they're so fun to do. Even to just like go with a car that can just kind of follow around is, right. is like a blast. I'd almost rather just do the sick ward and just drive yeah. around and not worry about breaking stuff. Um, Honestly, I, if it would be worth it for me, I would just take my CTSV and go run like 10, like 11 second passes. Right. But everybody would be like, this sucks. I don't want right. to see you do this. And like, get out I, of the way, it. dude. <laughs> yeah. It's like the double-edged sword with it is a lot of guys want to go out there and run 14s. And I, I would love to do that too. But I know that uh, they were trying to get sick week more oriented to like the fast guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my game plan going into it is I'm going to probably run 10 O's all week. I know it's going to make some people mad, but I don't want to work on the truck. I, I want to go, I want to drive it, go track to track, run my 10 O, not abuse it, and then just go on and maybe the last day turn it all the way up and see what it will do. But Yeah, because you have the difficulty of also having to get nitrous and having yeah. enough nitrous with you. I don't know how much, I don't know how... Like, fuel economy-wise will be on your truck, so you don't have a huge tank. No, it's got 15 gallons. Okay, so that's pretty good, but... It's not terrible. I don't know how much it drinks, I guess. Yeah. Um, learn from enough. what I've talked to other people with similar setups, it should do probably around 14 to 16 miles a gallon. Okay, that's pretty solid. Yeah, not terrible. Uh, the nice thing is just rolling up to any diesel pump and getting fuel. Mm-hmm. I know that's something we fought in the hatch last year is E85 availability. Um, I think when we went up to South Georgia... There was not a single gas station with the 85 from Daytona to Georgia. So we brought, I think, four extra five-gallon jugs of the 85 to make the trip. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have any issues. That ride was the worst. Yeah. That's where I died. Right. That's what killed the Mustang. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Georgia to Bradenton <laughs> yep. is what killed the Mustang. Oh, the Georgia to Bradenton was rough. Yeah. I, I think they're going to change it up this year, so it's not just straight from down 75. <laughs> That's Honestly, a tough ride. Yeah. I'm surprised the hatch did really well. We cooked a couple of axles. I don't know why, but the rear axles would just get so hot that they'd start like locking up, and that was our biggest issue we fought. I know we put two of them in on the drive from South Georgia to Bradenton, so that was like the extent of our problems but mm-hmm. that i think that highway drive i don't think any of those cars are really sorted enough to just sustain 70 no. miles an hour you're you know? either sorted enough to do it or you just don't pay attention and don't care and hope for the best right that or you're the guys doing 40 and you're just cruising and you know you it works put a piece of paper over your get over your dash and you <laughs> right. just drive don't look at anything that's going on on the screen <laughs> yep until it stops moving there's not a problem exactly it's just a number I left my Mustang at a truck stop, and I was like, please be there when I get back. <laughs> I was like, eh, if it's not there, you know. <laughs> not really a loss. No yeah, guess. exactly. I was back and forth. transmission issues, right? Yeah. With 400 in it? No, it killed the power glide. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, it yeah, melted glide. all the clutches out of it. Gotcha. Because it, um, it had a pressure issue, mm. and I don't have, I wasn't reading pressure. Gotcha. I don't have many sensors in that thing. <laughs> Might as well be carbureted. Yep, yep. Yeah, I, I remember you having issues with that. Yeah, and, that, was, uh, that was fun. Having to get a ride back. Put but. a trans in day one. Broke the trans last day. Right. And I think that's going to be my biggest issue is his transmission stuff. I have no doubt that the drivetrain or fuel system or engine will be fine. I think it'll be mm-hmm. keeping the transmission cool enough to... Well, yeah, diesels kind of run no matter what. Yeah. I, I think mean, it probably run with all the rods... Uh, they will run and... with a broken crankshaft. I, my father actually drove his home with a snapped in half crankshaft about 35 minutes down the highway, and they they will do four it. Cylinders. Oh, it ran on all eight. It made a heck of a racket, though. Oh wow! But, well, only four would have been twisting, or at least whatever was broken. Yeah, so passed like, to the drive line would have the been the way that they they break is like. They break, but they're held together tight enough that it still rotates in synchronization. Oh. You just, you know, you get maybe 10 degrees of advanced or retarded timing, 
but they still run. That's pretty awesome. So they, they, that's like the least of my worries is I'll hang a rod out of it mm-hmm. and I'll still drive it. I don't care. That's awesome. The transmission, though, is that I think is going to be the biggest problem I'm going to face. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one, too. But at least yours seems pretty easy to pull out. You know, you don't truly, it doesn't look like you truly need like a lift or anything. Yeah, it's not bad to pull out, honestly, the hardest parts of the drive shafts, like getting yeah. those in and out, because the way I built the truck, it's just, you kind of got to climb through a jungle gym to get to the, the U-joint caps. Mm-hmm. So And doing that late at night or early in the morning or... Yep, and that's my goal is to not do that at all, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as much as I can at least. Could it run, like say you broke the front diff or drive shaft or something, could you still drive it? I mean, as long as it doesn't, like, bind up, yeah. I can, uh, I mean, if it broke a rear drive shaft, I just put it in four-wheel drive. It'll go through the front. That's pretty awesome. If I break the front, drive it through the rear. I've always thought about that with JH. Like, if he could, like, in his burnout truck, if he could have done a rear burnout, pop the tires, and then somehow did a front burnout front. and pop yeah. the tires. If you did, like, a double divorce T-case, you could. Yeah, like I've some mud just, truck stuff. Yeah, I've always just wanted to pull the rear drive shaft out of one and just do, like, a front-wheel drive, like... I think it'd be hilarious to try and enter it in like a sport front class or something. Mm-hmm. Just not even be competitive, but just to do it. I think it'd be hilarious yeah. just to run in front wheel drive. Well, the and sport front wheel drive racing is getting pretty big. That there might even be like a class for, like, yeah, where you would be almost able to fit. Right. Because now it's so fast that they're gonna have to start separating the classes like pretty yeah. heavily. Yeah, I noticed. I just saw a thing too. They added a sport front class to. Like pro that mod. big pro mod national world thing. series of pro mod is pro mods and x front wheel drive yeah which so, is that's wild a weird pair right it's crazy though because like those cars have come so far man and they just like i think that's what jamie runs yep and they just work yeah i think jamie's probably gonna race that yeah which is the coolest thing to me that your front wheel drive honda is now in the same realm and same race as this the top of the top mods like <laughs> Pro mod racing. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I think that's going to be an event nobody's going to want to miss. Mm-hmm. It's going to be pretty interesting. That'll be really cool. So, to end this off, your YouTube channel is non-existent anymore. <laughs> yeah, what's the deal? Like, you could do something with it. Yeah, so... Have you thought about at least, like, you know, I don't know, figuring some way out where it could have some kind of just do live feeds on it or something? I don't know. Yeah, I've kind of thought about bringing it back. Um, the story behind that is I actually... I didn't, like, sell the rights to Kyle, but I just told him, I was like, look, I don't really have an interest in doing this. If you pay me a little extra, let's just film the truck on your channel. Mm-hmm. It benefits us both, and I don't have to mess with it. And that's what we ended up doing. Uh, it's it's worked out good. You know, I, I like the YouTube thing. I just, I don't have the dedication for it. Yeah. So it kind of just sits there. Maybe one day I'll do something different with it. Um, that's why, like, lives would be kind of interesting, or shorts, or, right. like... I don't even work with Kyle and be like, hey, do you want to make it like Boosted Boys 2? Or like, right. I don't even know. Do something, something with it. Something because it kind of just sits and it's like, it had a good amount of subscribers. I don't really know how much, but like, yeah, it had it was like 78,000, 80,000. Yeah, I mean, that's a healthy channel. Yeah, it was. It's, uh, I don't even, I don't think I've even looked at it in probably six months. I bet you it still makes you a little money. I bet you. I do get a paycheck every now and then, like 100, 200 bucks yeah. every other month. That's so pretty funny too. I always see those. It's like Google AdSense payment. I'm like, oh, sweet. Cool. I got lunch money for the month. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't really have any plans to right now. I know in the future I want to upload some stuff. I've got some cool projects that like won't be on the Boosted Boys channel that I'll do on there. Um, I've got like a, a Jixer 1000 street bike motor I want to put in like an old school bobber kind of uh, like Harley or something uh, mm-hmm. and make like a cool street bike out of it. Um, and I probably upload some of that to the channel. So uh, what do you, what, what is the, what is the barrier of entry? Is it the editing or is it the filming? Cause both have their own terrible <laughs> aspects of them. Both of them are <laughs> equally annoying to me. Cause I don't like, <clears throat> I don't really mind either of them that much, but Def- I can definitely see how the editing stops a lot of people. Right. I don't, I, like you, I don't mind it. It's more so like, you know how it is. If you film anything, just double the time of whatever project you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then when you edit it, you know, you're out. I think, you know, if you're good at editing it, don't take that long. But I know one video, I spent eight hours trying to edit. And for what? I mean, I, I probably made a couple hundred bucks off it. It cost me more in the long yeah. run to do it than I made off of it. So, you well, know. 
it, it's a it's a great thing, but it's also you know you got to really be passionate about it. And I just don't really have that drive anymore to do it. Uh, eventually, it might return, but as yeah. of right now, I just focus on the Instagram stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, where can they find you on Instagram? It is wit underscore built w h i t t wit built. Wit you can built. see him on the Boosted Boys channel, yep. hanging out with Kyle and. Ryan hasn't really been on it that much. Yeah, Ryan's our new addition. Um, he's more so behind-the-scenes guy. Kind of a hazard to have around, no? Yeah, dude. He's a freaking walking workers' comp claim. <laughs> yeah, that would keep him in the you, panic you room back there. You know how that day. <laughs> I was with him when he broke his arm. Yep. I was glad it wasn't my scooter. I was like, oh, right. man, I dodged a bullet. <laughs> oh, man. That was fun, though. That was such a good day. We have to do that again. Yeah, Sketchy's been asking me yeah. to like go ride around like St. Pete or something or Clearwater. Right. Well, let me just know. Just be a menace. I'm down. We should do a podcast on the scooters. I'll do that. You could just clip these on and we can... Yeah, man. Yeah, so why it's the first one to actually clip one on, so let me know what you guys think. Yeah. Some people were saying, why you hold a mic and I just need to hold it. <laughs> For me, I, you know, I'm locking my hands down here. I'll be like Ricky Bobby. Dude, That's why I wanted over, to hold it, because right? like, I don't know what else I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to start toiling with my fingers or something, but all right, that'll do it. We got about an hour going, so uh, cool. thank you for being on. It was yeah. really fun. We'll do another one. Definitely. I'll get Kyle in that seat at some point. But, yeah. I appreciate you having me, man. It's been yeah. a pleasure. And, uh, it was super fun, so follow Wit, follow Wyatt on all the channels and Booster Boys, and uh, that's, yeah. that's it, man. Show my boy Cooper some love, too. Dude's <laughs> hey. a great guy. Hey, thank you, guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.